Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Three, two, one. From Dynasty League Football. Di- <laughs> hey, that <fits> me. <laughs> yes. A partial countdown can definitely fuck me up. <laughs> Wait, someone's got to say the one. Especially you, yeah, you, <laughs> it was like three, two, and there was blank air, and then all of a sudden, one. From the- <laughs> No delay. Great. We one. need a resolution. Somebody say one for God's sake. That was so funny. <laughs> Please, God, somebody say the one. <laughs> Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That is James the Brain. Guys, fantasy football said this week I'm a winner. That is Travis the Beard. Hey guys, what did the Atlantic Ocean say to the Pacific Ocean? Nothing. They just waved at each other. I hate that I'm laughing at these. Every <laughs> week it's it's turning in I think it's like a sleep deprivation thing because some of these are anyway. That was the long con. That was why we started recording in the mornings because I needed more laughs on my jokes. It's working. It's working. It, that that delirium is definitely getting you some cheap laughs on on a couple of these. I am John Jack Tripper Hogan. This is a Super Flex Super Show. Three's company and we three are back together for the first time in what feels like an eternity. It's good to have the full team back, boys. Week six was a full-on point explosion in the NFL when Pittsburgh over Cincinnati 28-21 is a relative snooze fest. But the points failed to land on many fantasy rosters as they come from unexpected performers like Cole Beasley, Latavius Murray, and of course, Brock Osweiler. Why not? Luckily for us, Pat Mahomes and Todd Gurley are still money in the bank. We've got more guys you can bank on going forward, guys to cash out on, and savings bond guys who are about to mature on this week's Super Flex SOPs episode. Let's start with this week I learned. What'd you learn this week, Travis? Whoa, 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 whoa. Before we get started, John, we got Uh-oh. something to hash out here. Uh-oh. Yeah, we, we got something we got to figure out here. Uh-oh. If, if this is Three's Company and you're Jack, who, who are Travis and I? Uh... Let's see. Uh, um, who are the other ones? Um, I just want Suzanne to point out Summers. real quick that you guys are showing your age a little bit here. I think because I have n- I've never seen that show. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I think I think we know. I think we know who Travis is. Then. Um, <laughs> so we found our Suzanne Summers. Yeah. Can I be yeah. Can I be Ashton Kutcher? He's in that show, right? I I I think that Suzanne Summers for her time was probably the female Ashton Kutcher. Nice. I'll take it. Yeah. 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 She also yeah, yeah. hosted that Nickelodeon show for a little bit where they s- squirted slime on each other, didn't she? Huh. Or maybe that was Mark. That was Mark Summers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Easy to get the two confused. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah. James gets to be the black haired one, and uh, Travis is the busty blonde. And uh, the, now that we got that figured out, what else did we learn this week? Well, I think James needs to be the the no-haired one, thanks to Blaine Gabbert. But uh, this week, I learned that it may be time <laughs> it may be time to start worrying about Mike Evans' production with Jameis Winston under center. Uh, first, Man. I know. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts. But first three games with Fitzmagic, 27, 22, 25 PPR points. Last two games with Winston, 11.9, 9.8 PPR points. That 9.8 PPR total this week was in a week where Winston threw for 
394 yards and four touchdowns. Over the last 20 games, which is this season and last season, Evans has averaged 4.7 catches, 63 yards, and .33 touchdowns per game with Winston, and he's averaged 6.8 catches, 107 yards, and .6 touchdowns per game with Fitzmadrick. Are you guys concerned, and what should fantasy owners do with Mike Evans? I am concerned, yes. <laughs> I think that I think you're right on here, and I don't. I, it doesn't totally make sense. I mean, I think that... Jameis Winston just doesn't take the shots down the field that that Fitzpatrick does. So, I mean, maybe that's where the disconnect comes in. But whatever it is, I mean, it's there, and we've seen it now for, you know, two-plus years. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I definitely think the, the signs, the trends are pointing towards Mike Evans being less useful in fantasy with Jameis Winston under center. So, uh, I, I, I think there's something there. I think there's something to that, Travis. I want to see kind of how it plays out throughout the course of the year. I, I'd hope that, I mean, the, the best thing that Fitzpatrick did was take those deep shots. I would hope that they would try to, the coaching staff would try to work that into James's game. So I guess we'll kind of see how that, how that goes, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this coaching staff. So, um, yeah, in, in, I guess yeah. for the time being, I'm probably the same, Travis. I I, I feel like you're right. Jameis Winston has like this this reputation of being a gunslinger, though. And but like last game, that huge blow up game from Winston, Chris Godwin and Deshaun Jackson got nine targets each. Mike Evans saw five, and it's not like Atlanta has a shutdown corner that they were trying to stay away from. So it's 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 it sucks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting too. I mean, just looking at at the target share. I mean, Adam Humphrey got four, OJ Howard got four, Mike Evans got five targets. And when you're looking at Adam Humphrey's getting four targets and Mike Evans gets five, Peyton Barber got four, Ronald Jones three, Cameron Brait one. I mean, he definitely spread the ball out a whole lot more and you would think that your number one receiver, you know, would be at least close to the top in targets and and Mike Evans wasn't. I mean, like you said, he was Four targets behind Deshaun Jackson, four behind Chris Godwin. So yeah, it's it's concerning. I'd I'd be concerned if I was an Evans, if I if I had Evans rostered, I'd be concerned. Maybe we should have got him in the uh, the sell section here. So just a spoiler here. Nobody uh, recommended selling Mike Evans just yet, but that might be on a future episode in the near future. So here's that would be redraft. Sorry, do you uh, real quick dynasty. What do you I do mean, with Mike Evans? I mean, is this I, a buying window? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that you can assume that Jameis Winston's going anywhere, right? So, I mean, I think this is kind of the story of Mike Evans for the foreseeable future. So maybe it's still sell time, even in Dynasty. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, the pending emergence of Ronald Jones, which I'll be talking about a little later, <laughs> is uh, is also going to oh hurt him <laughs> when they start becoming more of a run team, too. So um, <laughs> that is the most I, ridiculous I agree. argument. I've I agree, ever John. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick just needs a little slip, a little something, something in Jameis Winston's gym bag. Get him another couple games off. Nice. Yeah, just just call him another Uber. All right, crab legs. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right, so this week I learned that Baltimore's defense at full strength is a matchup to avoid and could affect the high-flying offense. So Jimmy Smith came back from a suspension and the and just completely shut down Corey Davis. I, I get it. The Tennessee Titans offense has not been very good so far this season anyways for the most part. But, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot more that needs to be said about the Baltimore defense than the Tennessee offense in that particular matchup. And I think that with all their guys healthy, it, it they're, they're going to turn into the Baltimore Ravens team all around that we've kind of grown accustomed to, which is tough defense, run the ball, grind the clock. And uh, I think that you're going to start seeing the numbers for guys like John Brown and Michael Crabtree and Joe Flacco slip a little bit. Man, that's an interesting take because I just think the Titans suck. And I think that 
I think that it was a cakewalk for this team. But I mean, I I think the the Ravens are definitely uh, underrated and underappreciated. I'll give you that for sure. But I don't know that we can take much more away from this matchup. I mean, we'll see as the season moves forward. But yeah. I was previously on the Titans just being horrible side of that argument. But I could yeah. be wrong. Well, I, I still think that that's a part of it. But I also think that the Ravens defense is particularly good. And I think they just got a whole lot better with Jimmy, with, uh, Jimmy Smith returning. I think we're going to find out real quick if this holds up. Because in Week 7, they play at home against the New Orleans Saints. So it's going to get interesting. We're going to see if uh, if this holds up. If they're able to shut down that offense or even keep them in check at all, then I think that uh, that this is something to – this is a trend to follow. Here's another thing I learned in week six. Melvin Gordon, our perpetual quote-unquote sell-high candidate, is headed for RB1 overall finish. Yeah, I, I'll I'll take the L here. Um, I've been on that. I've been driving that train. What? Sell Melvin Gordon now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I didn't been on hear that you, train. James. I didn't hear you. And, Can you and, go back and, and say what I, you said? I have been on that train because I thought the touchdowns that he was scoring were unsustainable. I just didn't think that he was going to continue with that touchdown rate. Yeah. And lo and behold, he is. He is. And I now I'm going to preface this. I still think the rushing attack in San Diego is fantastic. I still think Austin Eckler is a better player than Melvin Gordon. And I know I'm going to catch flag for it. I have already. That's fine. But I'm looking at what Austin Eckler does with the limited touches that he gets. He is way more efficient than Melvin Gordon. If he gets a full workload and is able to sustain that, Melvin Gordon's going to be an afterthought. However, right now, Melvin Gordon is getting all of the touchdown opportunities. He's getting 90% of the red zone looks in the – in the running game, and that he's he's converting those into touchdowns. So um, I, I I don't see why this isn't sustainable at this point because San Diego just keeps putting up points, and they keep going to Melvin Gordon, and it keeps working. So uh, I'll, I'll take the L here. You're absolutely right. Melvin Gordon has been fantastic. The touchdowns keep coming in bunches, and as long as they do, he's going to be in the conversation for that top uh, that number one running back overall finish. Yeah, I'm on board with that. He's the work. The workload is just insane, and he's succeeding with it. So he's. I, I keep saying he is an absolute weak winning fantasy player right now. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that can just totally flip the script of any matchup that you have him in. I'm gonna get to a couple things that I I learned here this week, and the first thing is. Guys, coach speak means nothing. And when I say coach speak, I mean when coaches say, hey, we have to get player A more involved here. We have to get him the ball a little bit more. We have to to work him into the game plan a little bit more and and actually have no intention of doing that. Um, and, and we see it all the time. I mean, it happened a few weeks back with DJ Moore. Um, it's happened with uh, several, several players. Even Calvin Ridley, before he took off, we heard a week of we're going to get Calvin Ridley more involved, and there was a week where they didn't. Um This week, you know, Richie James on Monday Night Football, he was supposed to get more involved. The coaches were talking him up with Dante Pettis missing, and I I don't know if he even saw an offensive snap, Um, but I know he wasn't involved in anything outside of special teams. So that's just it. When you hear coaches speak and you hear somebody say, you know, hey, we got to get this guy on the field more. We have to get this guy more involved. um, Take it with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm no longer do I think that, um, that means anything until we actually see what happens on the field. Um, and I, I, I used to, I, I don't know, I used to be better at being able to read which coaches were, were, you know, were being genuine and were, you know, going to going to genuinely follow up on those things and which ones were just kind of blowing smoke. But I, I this year I've had a tough time believing any of these coaches when they say that stuff. What do you guys think? Is my way off base here? Or, I mean, is there some merit to that? Uh, no, this is absolutely true. I mean, look no further than Mike McCarthy and Aaron Jones. <laughs> he's, he's said this every single week about Aaron Jones, and then it, and then we're still seeing Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery just as involved as Aaron Jones, despite the fact that Jones is far more productive. So, yeah, this is this is something that the fantasy players really have to navigate and really have to try and. Uh, read between the lines on and it's it might be the most difficult part 
of this fantasy game that we play. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And and the, the second thing I learned this week, guys, was early season suspensions. They provide the perfect window to buy candidates low because owners forget how good these players are. Look, Julian Edelman was a guy who missed, you know, he was going to miss the beginning of the year. He comes back and, you know, yeah, it's taken him a little bit to kind of work his way, but you already see that Brady trusts him again. They're going to him. His snap count is high. Mark Ingram, this was a guy who, I mean, look, Alvin Kamara was tearing it up, and everyone thought, man, I don't know. Mark Ingram's getting older. Kamara's tearing it up. He's the younger younger back. He's the future there. Maybe Mark Ingram's not going to be the guy that I thought he was, and people were selling him pretty, pretty low compared to what he did last year, and Look, his first game back, they took full advantage of it. They said, we're we're going to give Alvin Kamara some rest here. He's been used an awful lot. Let's give Mark Ingram the run. And Ingram looked great. I mean, he really did. He looked really, really good. Um, looked like himself last year. I, I see that as being, you know, both those backs are going to be fantasy worthy again, just like they were last season. Um, and those are, you know, the, the people who were able to trade for those guys before they performed on the field, kudos to you. You probably bought them at a, at a low price, and you're you're about to reap the benefits now that they're back. So um, that's something that I learned, too, is that every year I'm going to kind of be on the lookout for those guys that get suspended uh, early game or, or early season, rather, or guys who are injured early season that are expected back um, that I don't think are going to have a whole lot of uh, carryover from that injury. And uh, I'll be monitoring, monitoring those guys uh, as the season progresses to see if I can buy them low. Yeah, that's one of my personal favorite strategies, and uh, that ends up sneaking into the show um, just about every week in the uh, Superflex SOPs. And speaking of that, let's get to the Superflex SOPs, starting with the add and drops. Three players from each of us, all at different positions, with 33% ownership or less on Yahoo. So those are the guys that you can add now, fairly cheap. They're probably going to be a little bit a little bit more expensive than they would have been a week ago, but these are still going to be your waiver priorities for this week, and then some guys that you can drop to make room for them as well. And let's start with Travis. All right, my first waiver wire priority ad here is Marlon Mack. He is twenty six percent owned. Marlon Mack finally looks healthy. He finally looked like the clear-cut number one guy in this backfield this week. He saw 14 touches, but more importantly, he was very effective with those touches. He turned those into 93 total yards, which I don't know that a Colts running back has had 90-plus yards all season. Jordan Wilkins didn't touch the ball this week. Naheem Hines saw just three targets. Robert Turbin injured his shoulder after losing a fumble. Um, it looks like Marlon Mack finally might be getting his shot to run this thing. The offensive line still stinks and the Colts have yet to commit to the run in really any game. So don't expect anything crazy out of Marlon Mack, but I would still prioritize picking him up. I'd, I'd go probably 15% of fab on Marlon Mack this week. Uh, my next one is Taylor Gabriel. He's 22% owned. Taylor Gabriel was my this week, next week player last week, and he did it again. So pat on the back there. He's on the main bracket for pickups this week, obviously. Hopefully you got him last week for free because he's not going to be free this week. Gabriel over the previous three weeks had seen seven, 10 and seven targets. Week four, he finally produced a big game. Um, He's ahead of Allen Robinson in fantasy points. He's got three more receptions on the season than Allen Robinson on fewer targets. And coming out of the bye week in week six, he put up another five for 110. So this dude is legitimately a central part of this passing game and is in every week flex play for us moving forward until we see a reason to doubt that. Uh, my third and final guy is CJ Uzoma, 32% owned, so he barely makes the cut here. Uh, but he's the clear headliner at the tight end position this week, in my opinion. The Bengals showed us this week that C.J. Uzoma is going to be involved in the game plan moving forward. C.J. Uzoma showed us that he can be productive on his opportunities. And in week seven, C.J. Uzoma and the Bengals are playing the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, who have allowed the third most points to opposing tight ends on the season. So I think he's a strong pickup, and I think he's a strong play right out of the gate in week seven. 
I love it, man. Love Marlon Mack. That's that's a great call. Um, he definitely had his his best game of the season. And like you pointed out, man, the rest of those backs did not perform in Indy. And I think Marlon Mack's good enough, too, catching the ball out of the backfield that he can take on some of that role, too. So I think he'll be relevant both ways. And I, I love the C.J. Uzoma pick, like you said. He's got some really nice matchups coming up, too. And I think, you know, he, he's proven that he's he's the guy there with, with Eifert out and— um, you know, he, he's really playing for a starting job next year because Eifert's in a contract year. They're, they're you know, more than likely going to let him walk. Uh, you know, do they need to find a tight end? I think that's the question they have to answer here. And Uzoma is right now telling them probably not. I got this. So uh, it's interesting. I, I like both those guys uh, for sure. I'm a little bit hesitant on Taylor Gabriel. I, I know his production has been up there. So I see why you would say that. I just... That Chicago offense, man, scares me a little bit. I, I'm I'm not sure from week to week if he can be relied on, but when you're looking at a, a waiver wire ad, you know, you're probably not going to find a guy who week to week is going to be. So uh, I'm definitely okay with it. Yeah, I like all these. And it, what's nice is Marlon Mack had a nice game. Um, it, Taylor Gabriel is probably inflated his value the most of these three, probably by far. Marlon Mack and C.J. Uzoma probably kept themselves fairly cheap uh, for uh, for waivers this week as well, even though they're going to be pretty high priorities. They should be at least. Um, I think they might have kept their their fab costs down a little for us, which is uh, which is always an added bonus. So let's get some from you, James. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to start out with Christopher Herndon, the tight end for the Jets. And look, I I when you're looking at the Jets. Um, it's it's really difficult to kind of kind of game plan on who's going to be useful what week there, um, just because it seems like the target share there changes week to week. But when you look at the tight ends, it, Christopher Herndon, he only had two targets, but he turned it into two grabs for 56 yards and a touchdown. Um, and if you look at the tight end position in general, Nate Sterling had two targets for 13 yards. Um, I, I, there's really nothing there at tight end, and uh, I, I I think. Christopher Herndon coming out of the University of Miami. Look, Miami's known for putting putting excellent tight ends into the NFL. I think Christopher Herndon can be a really good tight end here. And uh, being that he's a rookie, he was kind of behind the curve for a while. I think he's starting to get his feet wet. I think this is a guy that I would look to add right now. The tight end position is kind of a mess. You got bye weeks coming up and that sort of thing. Um, Sam Darnold looked really good last week, and he used the tight end a little bit more. I think he's going to look to the tight end and Christopher Herndon a lot. Um, you know, they worked together a lot in the uh, the preseason, too. Um, so I think Christopher Herndon might be a guy that I would be looking to add here, just because, like I said, tight end position's a mess. You have bye weeks coming up. This is a guy who could be a bye week replacement, a bye week fill-in. By the time the bye weeks are done, he could be in every, you know, an every week starter, um, you know, possibly, you know, compared to, I don't know who the number 12 tight end is, but if you're in a 12-team, 14-team league, this is a guy who very well could be addable and uh, usable weekly. Uh, my next guy is Kyle Waletta. And look, I know on the Giants step chart, Alex Tanney is the number two listed quarterback there. But I got to think if things go this way with the Giants, and I know the coaching staff is is preaching how much they believe in Eli, but look, it's clear Eli is not the quarterback that he was in the past. He is struggling even when he does have time because the offensive line isn't doing him a whole lot of favors. But even when he does have time to throw the ball, he's I mean, he's nowhere close to a lot of these receivers. These receivers, look, you can say Odell Beckham's a hothead and that, you know, he's he's always overreacting, but now you got Sterling Shepard who's frustrated and you have Odell Beckham who's frustrated and Saquon Barkley seems to be, you know, the only piece that's performing well. Uh, it it's it's alarming. This offense should be a whole lot better than what it is. EY Manning is a big part of the reason why it why it's struggling. It's only a matter of time before the players in this locker room either A this becomes a toxic situation where players just don't want to play or be a quarterback change has to, has to be made. I think if it is made, Kyle Waletta makes the most sense. You have to see what you have in him. He's a young quarterback that you drafted. Um, he's an, he's an unknown. And I think that he's the guy that you would see end up replacing Eli if that's, if that does end up happening, I think it's going to happen. And I would grab Kyle Waletta now and stash him on my bench, especially if I'm in a super flex league. Um, so Kind of a deeper name to keep an eye on. Last guy is Jermaine Curse, and uh, you know I'm I'm going back to the Jets bandwagon there because Jermaine Curse really, I, when you look at the Jets wide receiving core, it seemed like Jermaine Curse coming into the year was the one guy that you thought, well, 
outside of Robbie Anderson, not knowing if he was going to get suspended or not, Jermaine Curse is probably the one guy who I've seen do it, you know, time and time again. Well, last game against the Colts, he led the team in targets. He had 10 targets. Terrell Pryor was second on the team with six. So he, he out-targeted every other receiver by a good margin. He hauled in nine of those targets for 94 yards. So he was efficient. He was getting open. He and Darnold seemed to be on the same page. I know he was playing a Colts defense that isn't very good, but I got to think that the chemistry that they showed together, uh, Darnold and uh, Jermaine Curse, is going to garner Jermaine Curse a little bit more playing time, a little bit more targets. And if he's going to lead the team in targets for the, you know, uh, for the remaining uh, few games here that uh, that they have together, then I, I think Jermaine Curse might be worth an add. Um, I wouldn't be... I, none of the guys that I listed, I'd be throwing a whole lot on as far as, uh, you know, your fab. And I don't think you have to. I think that's the good part is these are guys that can help round out your roster. These are guys that you can put on there. Uh, you know, Kyle, Wallet is more of a stash and see, but, uh, but of the three guys, I guess I would prioritize curse the most. I think his, his uh, staying power is, is the highest. I think he has the highest floor um, of the three. So, yeah. I really like the Chris Herndon one and you've been on him for a while now. So, I mean, he finally gets in the end zone and, and finally starts to show what he can do in that offense. And um, I like that one a lot. Unfortunately, I think that Kyle Laletta might be a little bit of a pipe dream. I hope that you're, that you're right on this one because for the sake of all of the Giants, I would love to see them make a quarterback change um, That in sooner rather than later. It's, uh, it's, it's I, I just don't know if, even a, a coach is forward thinking as Pat Shermer can be trusted to make that move. But, man, uh, I would love to see it. I hope you're right on that one. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd have to think that eventually it would happen. What, are there – they're one in five now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know, man. I don't know how long or how much longer you can trot out uh, the old guy. But, yeah, I, I like those picks, James. They're definitely deeper. Um, I honestly, let me know what you guys think, but if I'm picking up a Jets receiver, I think it's going to be Terrell Pryor. I just think that I think he's more talented and I think it's, I think he has more upside. And if I'm picking up a guy off the waiver wire, I, I prefer the guy that has the upside to be something more than, you know, a bi-week flex guy, which is, I, I think, unfortunately, Jermaine Curse's ceiling. Um, yeah, potentially. I mean, I had given Terrell Pryor out, uh, weeks ago. Um, as a guy who who I'd look to add, and I think he has the higher ceiling. I don't know that he has the higher floor, though. I mean, like I said, Curse was targeted. No, definitely not. Times. Yeah, the ceiling tar- though. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, and I think I think maybe if you're looking for that ceiling play, that's that's the way to go. Um, it's to go with Pryor, but I think if you're looking for a guy with a safer floor, a guy who's going to get you, you know, should get you at least five receptions, you know, a game, and you know put up a five and 42 stat line, you know, it's not sexy, but it's 9.2 points that you may need in your flex some week. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting, an interesting call. I definitely think that it depends on what you're looking for as far as upside or floor, but yeah. Uh, one of those two is going to be going to be useful. I think for the jets a week in a week out. So my poor guy, my poor Quincy and man, <laughs> I know. yeah, yeah. his, his show, his star too. shined bright. Yeah, he did hurt himself, so maybe maybe he comes back and does something. But yeah, when well, I also like the... I, I said it on the matchup show, it, it wasn't Quincy and Unwa kind of saw the the toughest coverage that the Colts could possibly come up with, and that's actually a pretty underrated secondary, by the way. It was banged up in this game, but. Uh, Pierre Desir was kind of the only healthy guy, and he ended up on Quincy Inunua quite a bit. So that probably made a difference as well. So there's still hope for Inunua, I think. But um, I think that you guys are both on to some. In fact, Terrell Pryor is a guy I'm going to talk about a little bit later. So, But Jermaine Curse also was was involved, in, and it seems like he's the type of guy that you can kind of predict this a little bit when you're going to when you're going to at least get that, when he's going to at least get you to that floor, you know, based on, uh, based on matchups, you can, you can see it coming a little bit, but I'm going to give you a few guys to add here real quick. Uh, so at the quarterback position, Brock Osweiler, I never thought I would say that again as a Bronco fan, especially I I was sure (laughs) that we were done with him, but 
380 yards, three touchdowns. He did get picked off twice, but he was also playing one of the best defenses in the league, especially against the pass, a top-five defense with the Chicago Bears. He completes 28 of 44 passes, uh, 94.9 quarterback rating, or uh, 63.7 quarterback rating. What the hell's the 94.9? Anyways. Anyways. It's a radio station job. Yeah. (laughs) 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 94.9. Yeah, 94.9 B-Rock. (laughs) B-Rock. I don't want to listen to that station. No, not really. (laughs) No. But even if I have... Even if I'm in a car that you can flex a different radio station in, I don't know that I want to listen to that one. I know. Yeah. Uh, you're not even flexing that station, huh? Get it? That was a super flex joke. Get it? <laughs> oh, nice. I'm trying to think of some of the most boring songs. Like, uh, In a God in a Vita would probably just be playing over and over. It's like long, but boring. Just like Brock Osweiler. <laughs> I like it. Nice. Okay, so anyways, uh, Brock Osweiler, I mean, after the game he had, I I mean, you got to think that, okay, so first of all, with the problem with Ryan Tannehill, obviously there's still some lingering health issues. I don't know for sure that Brock or that Ryan Tannehill is, is ready to go anytime soon. I, I mean, this, this could be an ongoing thing where he's just kind of in and out of the lineup anyways. But Brock Osweiler also kind of, I, I mean, far ex- exceeded expectations. He might have just played his way into a quarterback competition here. And I think that it's one that he could win, believe it or not. So, I mean, in a super flex league, any any guy who even has the potential to start has to be on a roster, right? So, I mean, I, and I think that's Brock Osweiler. I think there's an opportunity for him to start, I and I for that reason, I think he has to be rostered. Um, I think you can, you're probably not going to get him nearly as cheap as you probably should. Um, if you're pretty desperate at quarterback, you can, uh, you can go a little bit higher on him and go somewhere in the neighborhood of 20%. I don't know if that's going to get him, but, uh, I, I, I personally wouldn't feel comfortable going much higher than that, but at 1% ownership, I mean, he's gonna be—he's going to be a, wi- a waiver priority in superflex leagues this week. At running back, Dante Foreman, still at twenty-four percent owned. I had him as last week, this week, or next week, this week, last week. Wow, that's confusing. He was—he was one of the guys I was saying pick up now, a week early, last week. So I couldn't do that again, even though it looks like he probably still misses week seven. But that running game for the Texans right now is just dreadful, and they desperately need a shot in the arm. I think Dante Foreman is the guy to do it. It's just a matter of getting him back. It's a very nice schedule going forward. I mean, it starts with the Jacksonville Jaguars, which isn't which isn't a great matchup for running backs, but he also, again, isn't going to play in Week 7, it looks like. After that, he's got Miami and Denver before the bye. And both of those are very good matchups for running backs. Denver in particular, who, I mean, you, you can sleepwalk to 200 yards apparently against Denver's defense. <laughs> so uh, that's a, take advantage of that matchup. And then wide receiver Albert Wilson, he's only 9% owned. He apparently is the favorite target of Brock Osweiler. I mean, he was second on the, the Dolphins in targets with nine. Uh, to Am to, to Danny Amendola, but he turned six of those. He made he got six catches and turned it into 155 yards and two touchdowns. He had the long bomb. He's doing most of this with yards after the catch. He's he's just got this. It, he's he's one of those speed guys, kind of a kind of out of the Tyreek Hill, Tariq Cohen cloth, you know, kind of the the a little bit of a gadget play, but. I mean, his his knack for turning in big plays, um, he should be rostered, and I think that he's going to see more and more use going forward as uh, Kenny Stills becomes an afterthought. Um, Jakeem Grant is not a guy that you can count on on a weekly basis, and Danny Amendola is going to be more of a short yardage type of slot guy. This is the big play guy on a team that apparently is going to 
have some big plays every single week. Yeah, I, I like it. I think Adam Gates has done a really good job of finding ways to get Albert Wilson the ball in space. And that, that's really what you have to do with a speedster like him is to kind of do that. Uh, Deonta Foreman, I think, will be interesting. That injury he's coming back from was is severe. I think it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back 100%. If, if he can, man, uh, I think that job is, is his for the taking. So uh, definitely an interesting ad there. And I'm, All right, look, I'm going to try to say something nice about Brock Osweiler. It's just you guys. <laughs> Don't do just, it. I, Don't do it. I don't like Brock Osweiler, okay? But <laughs> That's so, nice. So far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> but in Superflex, like I will say Brock Osweiler sucks. No, uh, oh, sorry, guys. It's like Tourette's. It, all right. Bro, it's a compulsion. Bro, Brock Osweiler is a, good, is a good ad in Superflex. There, I said it. I, I I'm so disappointed in you, James. I am I, I I don't even know how I did that actually. I'm pretty proud of myself for getting that out, but I uh yeah, no, in Superflex he's gotta be rostered and it, it's oh man. Because John, you said it if there's a quarterback that has a chance to be a starting quarterback, you need to roster them. Only if I don't care if you win him and then trade him for like a third or fourth round free agent or a, a rookie pick rather. Uh, uh, fine just he's got to be owned because he's going to start and there's going to be someone who needs to yeah, or he might start and there's going to be someone who may need a starting quarterback especially with buys coming up so i mean uh, it's terrible it's terrible and I, I i still will say this i think he only had a good game because the bears were totally caught off guard that Tannehill wasn't starting i i think everyone kind of was and I think the game plan coming in was based around Tannenhill starting. He didn't start. Osweiler came in. I don't think they were prepared for that. I think coming up, if if Osweiler is named the starter and teams get to prepare for him, I think he's going to have a really rough time. But that's all I'll say on I it. Think that, I, I think we all know the truth is that Brock Osweiler is actually elite. And the Browns and the Broncos just didn't know how to use him. And Fantastic. Adam Gase... Yeah, and Adam Gase clearly this season is showing us that he knows how to use his players properly. So I think <laughs> uh, welcome to sarcasm hour. No, I, so I will say <laughs> it, obviously in Superflex he needs to be owned. That's all yeah. I'm going to say there. Uh, I like the Donta Foreman pick. Uh, I think that the the most recent report that he's not ready for week seven might make him a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. If he's still out there, so there's that added little bonus, but you will have to obviously roster him and spend that roster spot on him for another week or two. We don't know when he's going to come back, but you're right. That running game needs some sort of shot in the arm. Lamar Miller ain't cutting it. And then Albert Wilson. Yeah, I mean, even before the nine targets from Brock Osweiler, the the two weeks before that, he saw six and six targets. So, I mean, he's been involved, definitely worth rostering, and he's a home run hitter, but... You know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't take those two huge run after catch plays to the house, he finishes with like six for forty or something. So I mean, the the floor is still pretty low, but I mean, for a free guy off waivers that has the capability of putting up thirty three points, I mean, he's got to be picked up. So a couple other quick guys, uh, Nathan Peterman is uh, he's a starter oh, for a while. I know it's and it's kind of the same thing as Osweiler, but. He, even worse because he has nobody to throw to. He makes Zay Jones pretty interesting, by the way. He does target Zay Jones quite a bit, but I know. I think he also he also makes the 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 opposing cornerbacks very interesting. <laughs> They're gonna get a lot of interceptions in IDP leagues. So man, this is a salty episode of the oh, Super man. Show here. Dude, P- Peterman is so <laughs> so terrible. He's so bad. Yeah, he's he's pretty bad. And and I will admit this. I think that you probably can find position players that would be better to start over Nathan Peterman. I don't think that's, that's the so case with, with Brock oh. Osweiler. But Nathan Peterman is probably worth an add in Superflex just because he's Again, he's going to be an NFL starter for a little bit of time while uh, while uh, Josh Allen is out with the arm injury. But how bad must AJ McCarron be if he can't <laughs> beat out Nate Peterman? Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Or Derek Carr? <laughs> oh, poor Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's another guy that's probably worth an ad. And then uh, one guy that we've kind of been talking about pretty frequently, kind of along the same lines as Kyle Laletta, Chad Kelly is worth a, an ad right now. That it the move is coming. I t- I'm telling you, it's coming soon. And it's not Case's fault, but he uh, he's going to be replaced. But anyway, so we gave a bunch of guys that we can add. Let's quickly go through some guys that you can drop to make room for these uh, for this injection of talent on your fantasy rosters. And back to you, Travis. First one is Alfred Morris. I think after last night's game, it's pretty apparent that he doesn't really need to be rostered anymore. I mean, his ceiling was pretty limited already, and he didn't touch the ball last night. It was the Raheem Mostert show. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we need to spend a roster spot on Alfred Morris. And the other one's Nelson Aguilar. He's still 70% owned. And I, over the last two weeks with Alshon Jeffrey healthy, he's seen four and five targets. And this last week he put up 91 yards, but there was like two pretty fluky plays in there. And I don't think that we can really trust that. I don't, I don't know that, Nelson Aguilar is going to be usable moving forward. Oh, man, that second one really hurts. Here's one that hurts yeah. as well. Here's another one that hurts. Derrick Henry. Uh, obviously, this is a this That is doesn't redraft. hurt. Derrick Henry sucks. Well, I mean, that's why you're dropping him. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I had high hopes for Derrick Henry. That's why this hurts. But, I mean, at this point, I don't think you can even well, get Well, you should have listened to me, James, or John. If I listened, if okay, if I listened to you, my team would have guys like Allen Robinson on it, which hey now. we're gonna get hey to that. So you'd, you'd also have Alshon Jeffrey, buddy. I guess you would have traded away Tyree Kill all off season. <laughs> yeah. hey, 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 there you go. But anyways, all right, Derrick Henry. I'm gonna try really hard not to interrupt you again. Yeah, I know. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I can. I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> That and that's that's all there is to it. Sixty-seven percent owned. You can't even trade him. You can just drop him at this point. That Titans offense just is going nowhere. And even if it does get off the ground, that's not going to have anything to do with Derrick Henry. It's going to be the passing game. It's going to be Deion Lewis. It's just so much has to go right for Derrick Henry to regain any kind of value in a redraft league. So just go ahead and drop him. Yeah, I'm going to get to my drops here. Uh, first off, Rex Burkhead, I. I know he's hurt, and I know that, you know, several people have probably already dropped him. However, there are going to be people, especially with Rex Burkhead, there are some truthers, some Rex Burkhead truthers out there that will just not let go of the fact that he isn't going to be fantasy relevant. And that backfield in New England is set. Sony Michelle is taking the carries, and he's he's he looks really good the past three weeks. He's looked good. Being the lead back there, James White is taking the pass-catching duties. He's also mixing in, running the ball, and he looks great in that role. They're not going to mess with that, man. Rex Burkhead is a guy that you can you can cut. If he's coming back this year, he's going to be the clear-cut number three behind those guys. So I, I don't, I, at this point, I don't know why you'd hold on to him, even if you have an IR spot, unless it's Dynasty. If, if you're talking a redraft, I'm, I'm just cutting him out right. Uh, next guy is Calvin Benjamin. And look, we just kind of talked about Buffalo and how – how it was with with Josh Allen, you know, being the starter. And Josh Allen, in my opinion, is much better than Nathan Peterman. At least he's he, he's played better thus far than what we've seen out of Nathan Peterman his entire career. Um, so I, I yeah, I, I think that's a downgrade at the quarterback position. And like John said, Zay Jones was the guy that Nathan Peterman was going to when he was in there. Calvin Benjamin has been ignored largely in this offense, and I don't see that changing. Uh, this offense is going to get worse, and he's going to get faded even more. I mean, this is a guy that you, you can get rid of. I mean, there, there's no use in, in wasting a roster spot on him anymore. So, yeah, those those two guys I am cutting immediately. Nice. Both good ones. All right, let's get to some buy-sells. These are guys owned in 60% of Yahoo leagues. They're probably not available on your waivers. If they are, definitely you can definitely prioritize them. But more than likely, you're going to have to find a trade. These are some guys who are worth the price, and then uh, some guys that you can sell high on as well, um, and uh, and get a return while they still have some value. And as always, starting with you, Travis. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> that Suzanne Summers thing went to your head. 
Yeah. That wasn't meant as a compliment, man. That wasn't meant to inflate your well, ego the way it is. Choose your insults care- more carefully next time. <laughs> I think, I think Travis is going to – he's going to be looking up Three's Company and watching episodes. And... <laughs> yeah. I probably won't. <laughs> I still have to watch Cheers, so you know it's pretty dar- far down the priority list. But... Uh, Three's Company is better than Cheers, I think. But Whoa, hot take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. All right, so <laughs> – my my first buy is Leonard Fournette. I think that I mean people are really down on Leonard Fournette. I am seeing some crazy trades go down for dirt dirt cheap, but I don't. I, I think that most of the time he's not going to be dirt cheap. But I still think that he is a guy that we should be trading for right now, not trading away. He is not a guy to trade for if you're under 500 and you need wins to stay in contention. Uh, but he's a luxury trade target for those six and oh, five and one, four and two teams out there. He's likely going to miss this week again. He may even be held out until after their bye week in week nine. So you may have to sit on him for another three weeks. You know, he's been so useless to this point that the Leonard Fournette owner in your redraft leagues is probably, they probably have a losing record. And so you can take advantage of that if you have a winning record. I still think he's a high-end fantasy running back when he comes back. I, again, I don't think he's going to be super cheap. You'll have to give up some sort of useful player to make it enticing. But he's cheaper right now than ever. People are really souring on him. And he can be a huge boost for fantasy teams down the stretch of the season and into the playoffs. So Leonard Fournette is the first one. The second one is Jarvis Landry. Uh, this is the second week in a row that I think I've I've said this. Um Ooh. And he had another bad game, two tar- or two catches on nine targets. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe, James, you can shed some light on what the deal is with Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway not catching any of their targets. Um, but right now, Jarvis Landry is sixth in the league at the wide receiver position in targets, and he's 28th in fantasy points. I mean, this is a guy that has been one of the most efficient as far as catch rate goes for his career. And so you've got to think that that turns around at some point. All right, so that's it for my buys this week. My first sell this week is Allen Robinson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so Allen Robinson has been, has been bad this season. There, that's no secret. Um, he's just not getting the wide receiver one volume that some of us were expecting him to get coming into the year. Uh, but this last week, he had his second best game of the season with six for 64 and a touchdown. He had his second highest target total of the season this week with six, which isn't great. If this decent game that Allen Robinson just had with that touchdown creates a value boost and a sell window, I'd be looking to package him up in a deal and ship him off. And that hurts me to say, but it is what it is. And we got to adjust. They're just not using him enough. Um, My next one is Demarius Thomas. So we talked about him a little bit already. Very similar to Allen Robinson. Thomas has been up and down this season. But he had his third game with a touchdown this season. And those three games this year have been his only good ones as far as fantasy production goes. He's a touchdown-dependent wide receiver three right now. But I still think that he likely carries more name value than that. I don't see his usage changing in the positive. And not only do I not see it changing, Cortland Sutton is also waiting in the wings. He looks like the better, more dynamic receiver at this point in their respective careers. And I expect his role to grow. I'd be looking to package up Demarius Thomas and his touchdown game and get a player that can help your team on a more consistent basis. My nat- my last sell candidate for the week is Alex Collins. And Alex Collins just had his best week of the season last week. He had 54 total yards. That was his best week of the season. He just happened to score two touchdowns on top of that. And this came in a game where the Ravens walked all over the Titans 21-0 and where the Ravens ran the ball 30 times. Even with that good game, Collins is still second on the Ravens in fantasy points at the running back position, and he's running back 28 in points per game this season. All right, here's a couple buys for you. Doug Baldwin and Antonio Brown, and this is based mostly on the upcoming schedule. I've been talking about Russell Wilson as a buy uh, for a while now, and uh, it's been a really weird time for me. But that Seattle offense has a very nice schedule going forward. Doug Baldwin in particular, week seven buy. And then after that, the toughest defense that he's got is Green Bay, who's 18th in the league against against wide receivers in terms of allowing fantasy points. 
very middle of the road and everybody else is even is even more generous than that to the wide receiver position so it's a nice schedule from week week eight on uh he's got a tough one against patrick peterson um, assuming he's still on the arizona roster in week 17 so if you're in one of those weird leagues that actually plays a championship in week 17 then uh then you'd have to figure something out then but in the meantime Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson win a lot of games for you going forward. So go buy Doug Baldwin as he's still getting healthy, and uh, you can get him at a little bit of a discount. And then Antonio Brown has been kind of running second fiddle to Juju Smith-Schuster right at the moment, but he also has a very nice schedule going forward. Um, Again, week seven bye. He has a little bit tougher time. He's got Baltimore at Baltimore and then at Jacksonville. Ben Roethlisberger's horrible on the road, and those are two two of the top three defenses in the league against wide receivers with absolute shutdown corners. But then once you get to the fantasy playoffs, he's got three out of out of the last four games are against uh, bottom bottom seven opponents against wide receivers. So uh, he's going to be a league winner. And uh, might be at a little bit of a discount right now as well. And then a couple sell guys for you. Matt Breda, I mean, he's hurt, so that makes it tougher, a little bit tougher to get full val- to get full value. But, I mean, the idea that Matt Breda continues to be an RB1, I, I, it didn't really hold up for me to begin with, considering, you know, the, the smaller frame, the smaller stature. That's, that's not a guy who can take on a... a a workhorse type of of workload um so uh he's been a sell for me for a while now but particularly now that the injuries start are starting to pile up wait for him to get healthy and then you can go ahead and sell him probably at max value and then robert woods he's benefited quite a bit from being the number three option in that defense in that offense maybe even number four if you consider todd Gurley. Well, Cooper Cup is going to miss some time, which is going to shift some tougher coverage to Robert Woods. Might even move Robert Woods to the slot a little bit more than he has been. And uh, Josh Reynolds becomes a a nice pickup, uh, especially in deeper leagues. And Robert Woods, I think, um, starts to see some tougher coverage. So it might be a good time to sell high on Robert Woods as uh, he's putting up wide receiver one type of numbers and people are finally starting to notice that. I don't know that I'm fully on board with Robert Woods, but I get it. And Matt Breda, I don't think you gave yourself enough credit there. I think he's sellable right now. He has been hurt, but he just played a full game. I mean, not a full game. He was relieved quite a bit by by Raheem Mostert, but he still finished as the running back 20 week, 21 last week, and he scored a touchdown. So I think that that window is is definitely open. Uh, to sell Matt Breda, and then yeah, I was going to say something else, but we're out of time. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get to my buys and sells, and look, real quick, I'm going to preface this with my buys. At this point, I mean, we're six weeks into this. We're going into week seven. I kind of know if I'm a, a if I'm a competing team or not, and if I am, that's that's the only way I'm buying. I'm I'm really not buying if if you know I have a middle of the road team or a team that I just don't think I'll be able to compete for a championship with. So that being said, I'm I'm gonna list some guys, and while I think they're going to be they're gonna cost me a little bit, I think they're guys that are gonna help me win this year. So first, I'm gonna start with Mark Ingram. Um, I saw his usage on Monday night. I liked it. I think it's going to be uh, very similar. I think he and Alvin Kamara are gonna split carries there. I think a lot of times they're gonna be on the field together again. I I I mean I I trust in Sean Payton. I trust in that offense for the first four weeks. It was Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Now I think it's Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Mark Ingram. And I think there's room for all three of those guys to be fantasy relevant. I would be buying Mark Ingram now, um, especially because his age is up there. He just had a good week. There might be some owners who are, you know, who have him rostered who say, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to take what I can now for him and just cut bait. Um, I, I would be looking to buy Mark Ingram just because I, I have faith in him moving forward. I have faith in that offense, and I have faith that Sean Payton's going to continue to find ways to get um, his most – his his best offensive weapons the ball i'll go on to my my second buy and that's kiki kuti and i i really feel like this guy this is will fuller this is the new will fuller because even with will fuller in the offense 
Kiki Kuti is putting up those numbers that Will Fuller was or close to him. He's heavily involved. He's getting open. He's on the same page with Watson. He's really good in the slot. He uh, he knows uh, where to sit in zones. He's, he's running good routes. His hands are fine. And he's getting the ball near the goal line, which is weird because he's not a huge receiver, but they're, they're doing a lot of that, you know, motioning him and just kind of, kind of shoveling him the pass um, into the line, you know? So, I mean, he's getting some touchdowns too, because of that. So I think he's going to be useful moving forward. That's a guy that I would want for this year. And I think um, for future years too. So uh, I, I, and I think he's still relatively cheap. I don't know that people have seen enough yet to buy into him fully, but this is a guy who I'm really high on. I would be, I would be very happy landing because I think he can help me this year. And I think his role expands moving forward. Um, the last guy for my buys is Sony Michelle. And look, I, I was hesitant, uh, you know, when, when he went to new England, because I just didn't know how new England was going to use their backs. Now that he's healthy, Sony Michelle is the guy that they're using. He's making the most of those opportunities. Um, he's had three, three games in a row where he's had over a hundred yards total, uh, from scrimmage. Um, he's getting in the end zone too. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy who's going to be a part of a high scoring offense, a big part of it, and he's going to be the balance. He's going to be important. They need to have that run pass balance. Brady is best when he can work off a of play action. And, um, you know, I, I think Sony Michelle is a big part of that. And he, he's, he's looked really good And the schedule moving forward for new England is pretty soft. I mean, they, they have, some nice run defenses that they're going to be playing coming up. So I like Sony Michelle. I'd be looking to buy him to help me this year. And again, another guy that can help me in years forward. So um, those are my buys selling. I'm selling Amari Cooper. I'm selling pretty much anybody that's in this Oakland offense. Amari Cooper is probably the guy that has the highest value. Um, Jared Cook, maybe, but I think uh, there you, you still find some people who are buying Amari Cooper, especially now that there's some rumors moving around that the Raiders are looking to shop him. Um, now's the time maybe to deal Amari Cooper and, you know, just make sure that you plant that in the ear of that other owner that you're trying to move him to. Hey, you know, it looks like he might be moving from Oakland, um, you know, and, and see if someone's willing to bite on his talents. I'm not, I've never been an Amari Cooper guy. So that's why I'd be selling him. Um, I just don't know that he's as good as, um, as others value him as. So I I'd be looking to move him next guy. I'm looking to move is Eric Ebron, and I'm doing it now because Jack Doyle is going to be back. I'm doing it now because when T.Y. Hilton comes back, I think he has a bigger uh, target share as well, and I just don't think that Eric Ebron continues at the pace that he's at. We even saw Eric Swoop get in the end zone. He only had one catch, and I know he's not you know, heavily involved, but I wonder what that, that – you know, that ratio, that timeshare is going to be when Doyle comes back. Um, I think Eric Ebron has been fantastic this year at tight end. You could probably get a good amount for him, and I think I'd be dealing him for that. Now, the last guy I got on here, and I have him on here this week, although I'd probably probably hold him a week and deal him next week. But I, I think I'd start shopping Randall Cobb. And, you know, he, he, look, he's missed a couple games due to injury. Um, and upcoming, you know, the Packers have a bye. So I don't know that anybody's going to be, you know, buying him right away. But look, I, that schedule that Green Bay has is brutal. I mean, they they have, they are in L.A. to take on the Rams after their bye week. Then they're in New England. Um, a couple games later, they are in Minnesota. They still have Chicago on their schedule. They have a lot of good defenses that they have to play. And a lot of teams that uh, I, I just, I don't know that Randall Cobb is all that valuable to this offense now with Geronimo Allison, um, MVS, uh, uh Stepping up, even uh, Aquarius St. Brown, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, I'm sorry, stepping up. And uh, all those guys have been making plays. Even Jamon Moore saw some run in this Monday night game. So um, I don't know that Randall Cobb is is as valuable as he was. So I think now's the time to sell him. You might still be able to get something from him uh, for him just based off of name recognition alone. So um, those are my, uh, my buys and sells, guys. Nice. I really like Sony Michelle. That's an awesome buy. Um, a couple of these I'd love to get into more, but we're kind of out of time and we still have one more segment. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and move on here to next week. This week, these are, these are going to be guys who will be waiver priorities next week. You can get them for free right now. If you pick them up a week early, let's start with you, Travis. All right. My first one for next week, this week is Cameron Meredith. He's 9% owned still after sitting out on the waiver wire for free for an entire week. I think he takes over as the wide receiver, too, on the Saints offense. Traquan Smith had the big blow-up game on Monday Night Football last week. That kind of made everyone gloss over Cameron Meredith's best game as a Saint and the fact that he tied for the team lead in targets 
with Michael Thomas with five. My next that uh, my next guy for the next week this week is Cortland Sutton. He's still just five percent owned. He remains one of my favorite stash wide receivers. It has a lot to do with Demarius Thomas, as I talked about earlier, but Sutton looks awesome, and I think he could be a last half of the season every week starter for us, and that could happen earlier rather than later if we get a quarterback shakeup in Denver and Chad Kelly gets a shot, which isn't crazy to think given how Keenum has been playing and given how the Broncos have a steadily falling record. Nice. Terrell Pryor was second in targets this week for the new— for the New York Jets, to only Jermaine Curse. He caught five of his six targets, 57 yards and a touchdown, and uh, looks like he's getting more and more involved in that offense. Uh, pick him up now before he has a true breakout. David Moore of the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, for kind of the same reasons that I mentioned Doug Baldwin, except for the fact that David Moore is seeing actually far softer coverage as the clear number three behind Baldwin and Tyler Lockett going forward. And Hunter Henry, somehow with a torn ACL, he was still designated to return. He's actually on the pup list um, rather than the uh, full-on IR due to return around week nine. So I, I just as a speculative ad, you could be getting an elite tight end for free off of waivers in your redraft leagues. He's obviously not going to be available in most dynasty leagues. As long as there's an IR spot, he's already rostered and on IR. He might be a buy candidate in those leagues, but in redraft in particular, you can stash Hunter Henry on the off chance that he does make it back this season um, as the Chargers are planning. Love it. Love it. Okay, so I'm going to start with uh, Damian Ratley, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. This is a guy who... Uh, because of the injury to Richard Higgins, saw some time um, last week's game, and he, he really made the most of it, man. He made a believer out of me. I was uh, hesitant, um, you know, going into last week. He was uh, getting kind of hyped up as a guy who you could start in the flex, and I didn't know that that was something I was willing to do, but he, he actually proved to me that, you know, he he belongs in that, that flex conversation. Um, he ended up turning eight targets into six grabs for 82 yards. He didn't find the end zone, but um, he led the team in receiving, which to me was was shocking. But um, he he really looked apart. He looked good. He looked like he uh, he knew what you know he he knew what the offense expected out of him. And uh, and this is a guy who I think next week with Rashad Higgins expected to miss another week um, could be really valuable. And again, Cleveland's playing Tampa Bay next week, and I think we know that Tampa Bay defense is is garbage i mean you can throw all day against them so if baker mayfield and this browns offense is going to get healthy then it's a good week to do it and ratley might be a guy who sees uh you know sees a, a big time uptick in his snaps his usage and uh, his play not to mention the fact that if ratley does really look good again for the second straight week even if rashad hickens comes back i don't know that he or antonio callaway are cemented into their roles yet um ratley might be in line for a larger role if he if he performs well again this week and i think he has a good chance to do that against Tampa Bay. So I'm looking at him. Nick O'Leary is another guy, uh, tight end out of Miami. Uh, I know that Mike Gusecki is kind of the guy there, but uh, Nick O'Leary continues to put up points. He continues to get looks in the red zone. This is a guy who, again, tight end is a um, a wasteland. If you need a guy for a bi-week filler, uh, I would look at Nick O'Leary as a guy who might uh, be able to fill that role. And the last guy is Ronald Jones. Again, this is obviously in uh, redraft in Dynasty. He's going to be owned. Um, in redraft, though, Ronald Jones is a guy who I think is going to start seeing an uptick. I think this is the week you grab him. I think this is the week that Peyton Barber struggles a little bit against Cleveland's rush defense. I know that we saw Melvin Gordon do really well against the Cleveland run defense, but I think that's going to be a priority for them to fix. That's what they've been talking about all uh, ever since the, the end of that game. Um, I think that uh, they're going to look to shut down the run, and I think Peyton Barber struggles this week. I think after that, Ronald Jones is going to get more of a, more of a run. Um, he looks good catching the ball out of the backfield, and I think he's going to be just fine uh, running the ball there, too. So um, Ronald Jones is a guy who I would pick up now and look for him to succeed in future weeks. Yeah, don't waste your time on Ronald Jones, but I like the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to let that slide or not. <laughs> right. That'll do it for our Super Flex SOPs for week seven of the NFL season. We're going to wrap it up there for this episode, though, and as we do, ask you for the same quick favor. If you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, 
and rate and review if that's an option on whatever platform you're using, uh, particularly iTunes. Those ratings and reviews, those help us get out to more people and expand our audience and our reach and helps us to really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family, a podcast mega feed, so that you can get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including the Superflex Super Show. And check out Travis's solo podcast, the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show, three days a week, 30 minutes per episode, and he's touching on waivers, injuries and news, and of course matchups, getting you ready every week. And then you can send us your trades on Twitter, at Superflex Show. And uh, we can retweet them, help you get more comments and votes, and sometimes even analyze them right here on the podcast. And while you're at it, give the podcast a follow on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. You can also follow Travis. He's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until the end of the week when we do the matchup show, good luck on waivers, stay sexy, and super flexy. Bye. Bye.